0: But well, we got this big event coming in, the, the Olympics, and you know, I knew some of the people there from working on the on the website. And I went and actually worked at the Olympics for a period of time doing some strategy work and realized that they had no budget or idea of what an app was. Uh, so I basically, we spent the first six months at event Base building out the app for the Olympics and convinced them to contract it, like literally like four months before the game started. And, you know, it was it was terrifying at the time because we built out an iPhone app and they're like, "Oh, that's great, but can you build it for Windows and BlackBerry as well?"
1: Today on afternoon tea, I am really really excited. I, I mean, I actually can't tell you how excited I am because I have known um, our guest uh, for. Well, he and Ben for oh gosh, I would almost say ten years now, Jeff. I mean, you can call me. Yeah, I think me, so. It's pretty close, pretty close. But let's let's start with the introduction, and uh, so we can tell who we're speaking to today. Um, Jeff Sinclair is the CEO and co-founder of EventBase, the leading provider of mobile apps for premium events, including Tier One events for global brands such as IBM, Microsoft, and SAP, South by Southwest, CES, and three games. The premium platform propels events into the mobile age, personalizing the experience through apps that incorporate sophisticated design, industry-leading scalability, and groundbreaking breaking innovations. We can ground bake if we want to as well, I suppose. Um, Outside of event base, Jeff has led the creation of the Games Time strategy for the Vancouver 2010 Olympic Games, managed Stockhouse, an online financial community, and was the recipient of the Top 40 Under 40 awarded by Business in Vancouver. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us today
0: you're welcome. And, and your announcer voice, like you should be,
1: yeah,
0: you, you could take that up uh, professionally that Chris. You got to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Again, I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I've got a face for radio, you know, I might be able to chat and blah, blah, but uh, well, David might disagree, uh, obviously, but, but event-based it's, 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 you know, as, as I, as I, as I touched on at the beginning, you know, I've always been super impressed with what you and Ben have been doing, um, not only for 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 you know the amazing events that you know you 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 get to be a big part of, but also the, the 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 value you've added to the community. And you know one of the reasons we've engaged over the years is because of the great stuff you've done in the community. And I've really been you know thankful to be part of that. Um, but tell you what, let's let's go to brass tacks. Let's start it right from the beginning. Tell me about the origin story of EventBase, please.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, so Eventbase is the second company that I founded. Uh, before this, I had a company that did uh, global content management systems. So we we built a CMS that was used globally by Google, all 100 websites around the world. Uh, we did the websites for large accounting firms and banks and tourism groups. And we built the website for the Vancouver Olympics, so Vancouver2010.com. And 2008 was a rough year for tech, uh, but it was also the year that the iPhone came out. And as soon as I saw iPhone, uh, I remember trying to convince my wife that, hey, I, I, I want to go and start up a mobile company. Uh, and you know, 2009 is when we started the company. It was, you know, we set about our mission at the time was, well, we got this big event coming in, the Olympics. And you know, I knew some of the people there from working on the, on the website. And I went and actually worked at the Olympics for a period of time doing some strategy work and realized that they had no budget or idea of what an app was. Uh, so I basically, we spent the first six months at event base building out the app for the Olympics and convinced them to contract it like literally there four months before the game started. And, you know, it was, it was terrifying at the time because we built out an iPhone app and they're like, oh, that's great. But can you build it for Windows and Blackberry as well? Because yeah. the official phone of the Olympics uh, <laughs> ran on Windows, which was a Windows uh, Samsung Omnia 2 with a, with a stylus. It was like a, that was the official front of the Olympics, so yeah, we did. We turned that around, and it was a big success. We had like a million downloads, tons of positive press, uh, won awards for it. We won the best of, best app in Canada at the Canadian Media Awards in Toronto, and that really set us on a path of building event technology. And then that's where it all came from.
1: Well, very nice. Well, well, tell me how did how did you and Ben meet them?
0: So Ben and I worked way back in the day uh, back at Stockhouse, uh, which was a big financial website. Um, back in the dot com era, so he was a CIO there, and I ran the products team. So I was like, I had, I had six product managers, and we we built. A, it was like seven websites around the world, stockass.com and, and different countries as well. So right back then, he went off and started up his own company while I was doing my thing. And then you know, fast forward to 2009 is uh, when I convinced him to to get this thing rolling and start up a base.
1: Oh, very cool. Very cool. And I think that was a great partnership and, uh, and very timely. I mean, I love the fact that you touched on 2008 being, you know, a, a chaotic time and, 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 and a time of birth. I mean, you know, 2009 on, which, which seems to be a very significant theme uh, throughout most of the guests of, of, of Afternoon Tea and something that I'm, you know, very interested in. And, and it's exactly the same time that we started. Um, you know, I, I, I think it, it shows me that, again, through this COVID there's going to be amazing companies pop out of it. I mean, this digital, you know, change um, creates a lot of opportunity. So I think that's really cool. So you said you had to work on during the Olympics, which must have been super exciting. Um, and I thank you for the, the, the most gold medals, I believe, uh, for Team Canada. You must have had something to do with that. Is that true? Yeah, we might have hacked the medals table a little bit. but <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, but we had to do some apps as well in BlackBerry and uh, Windows. How frustrating, especially in that time, uh, an experience was that?
0: There were very different platforms. Um, and Android, it, it's funny, 2010, Android wasn't even a consideration, nope. 2010. And then a few years later, we did the London Olympics and it absolutely was a big thing. So in that space of a very short period of time, Android really grew to dominance. And you know, year after year, it was less market share for, for BlackBerry and less market share for, for Windows, uh, Microsoft was one of our biggest customers, still is a big customer of ours, mm-hmm. uh, and they had funded the build out of the Windows platform. But you know, usage just kept dropping, and then you know, Microsoft decided to stop uh, producing apps for for Windows, and it was um, really it's just the two horse race as it is today, iOS and Android. But yeah, those those were difficult. We were, you know, we had to learn how to do a BlackBerry app in a very short period of time. Um, mm-hmm. There wasn't a lot of BlackBerry developers in 2009, and yeah, it was, uh, it was a bit rough, but uh, yeah, iOS is, has always been the largest number of downloads, even still today, um, mm-hmm. especially in North America. A little bit of a different story in, in Europe, but uh, yeah, th- those two platforms um, emerged victorious, I guess.
1: Yeah, well, I guess at least I could say Microsoft creates really good development tools. So it's, you know, you can create uh, products for the devices that exist within that platform. But again, I mean, raw, raw Canada, don't get me wrong. But on the BlackBerry side, I mean, I remember we would change like a variable from a three to a five and it would make the screen go blue. Like it was just such a difficult was, environment to support. It was hard, for sure. Um, <laughs> but we, and, and yeah, I
0: remember it was definitely... Uh, it was a it was a, a nightmare scenario to have like three months to build an Olympic app um, for both those platforms. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it's a little simpler today. But uh, we still build natively on iOS and Android, and that's an interesting conversation. A lot of our like a lot of groups starting up today go more of a web based route um, and and choose a, a responsive web and a wrapper and put it in the app store. But it's your native is the best possible user experience. And that's why we we continue to do that. but it's, well, that's uh,
1: that's 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 actually really interesting to me because we, we do a lot in the React Native world. Um, yeah. you know, there's Flutter. There's lots of different tools. But I do know if you really want to control the experience and, you know, um, you're not a startup in the sense of budget, you know, for these events. I mean, these are world class events. You don't want to be, you know cutting corners at all. so i I actually really applaud that decision. I, I think that's I think that's really smart.
0: Yeah, and, and there's no such, like a native app, there's always elements that are web in all the apps that we do. So the question really is, what do you want to double down on and focus on the UI for that specifically? So for us, it's like our schedule or you know, the, the maps that we provide, are, are, our know, 3D maps of the entire city of Las Vegas. It helps to, to do that natively. But sure. um, yeah, it's, it's a conversation, and, and but it's, um, it's something that we, as you said, when, when we're selling to customers, we sell them a platform. Uh, And they want it to be, you know, tried and tested, but, but also they buy primarily for
1: user experience at the the Mm -hmm. end of the day. For sure. For sure. So, okay. So I understand how you got in with, with the Vancouver Olympics with the, with the IOC there, but how do you convince, especially when, you know, they want to be showing off home tech. Uh, you know, companies. How do you convince, like, the, we well, had the, the London Olympics and I, what was the next Olympics you did? Sochi, well? we worked on Sochi as well. And so, uh, Sochi, wow. Um, yeah. How do you convince them to use a Canadian company as opposed to, you know, one of their own internal ones?
0: Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, we had to, for London, we actually had to set up an office in London at the time. It was, uh, it was a part of it because mm-hmm. they wanted to use a company that was based there. But, you know, they were, terrified that they would build something that wouldn't work like when you're building something and the first time you use it is when there are literally like a billion eyeballs on this uh thing they uh they wanted to make sure that they went with something that was tried and tested and you know at, at that time and even still today we're where's we're the only group powering apps of that kind of size so millions of downloads like we can handle that we've proven that time uh, multiple times and um Building out something from scratch, we still have the same conversations today. Um, you know, we're not no longer working with the Olympics. So it's very much uh, because our only happens every four years. It's obviously we need to have more customers than that. But
1: mm-hmm,
0: um, but when it comes to like these big tech companies, big big companies that have these massive events, uh, don't want to they don't want to take the risk of the app not working and embarrassing everybody. And it was definitely um, a part of the reason why they, so many of them have chosen event base.
1: Uh, and and, it, and it's a good decision I gotta say did, did you get to go to Sochi as well to, to witness it did you actually get to go to Russia you
0: know I did not uh, quite a few members of our team went over there uh, to support the app we built after them but um, no I was living in London though during the Olympics there which was fantastic we got my <laughs> whole bet. family we relocated there for the summer and that was really fun to be part of
1: um, oh, that'd be fantastic
0: you were know, here for Vancouver Olympics the buzz yes. of this city during the Olympics was something we'll never see again in a lifetime um London's buzzing all the time, but during Olympics it was you know when you've got the beach volleyball courts set up next next to Westminster and like all like it was fantastic. It was, uh, oh, yeah,
1: that would be so cool! I mean, at the at the end of the day, the winter winter games is cool, but the summer games I think even has that more you know panache because all of a sudden the Americans go, oh, there are other sports than uh, you know or, or know. even the Canadians than hockey. You know, that's 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 fantastic. Yeah. And uh, oh no, London would be great. Well, tell, tell me, I mean, we've mentioned a couple. What what are the three? premium um events that you've sponsored. And you know, don't worry about leaving some out. I know that there you've got a lot, so there's gonna be some that you're leaving out. But yeah, what's three that the you point. have good memories well, from at least? Well I can, I can talk about my like the favorite events that i there you go. There you like, go. Um uh, and the one that I, I
0: try to get to every year is South by Southwest. I, I mm-hmm. did miss a year when my my daughter was born because I didn't want to be good the decision. guy I was in a bar in Austin when my daughter was born. But Southwest is fantastic. And a lot of our customers go to Southwest. It's the most complex event that happens every year in the U S it's a mashup of tech, film, music, everything else. And, and it's, it's just an amazing vibe. Um, we have customer events there often because our customers go there just to experience like what's new. We love to launch things at Southwest. So that's uh that's always a fun one. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the Consumer Electronic Show CES in Las Vegas. Uh, it's mm-hmm. just the sheer size of it, Largest event that happens in the US every year. Mm-hmm. Four thousand exhibitors showing off all the new tech. Like if you're if you want to geek out, uh, it's pretty cool. And uh, I've seen some amazing things there over the years. So um, mm-hmm. the first e racing series where they actually put like gamers uh, with real Formula One race car drivers competing in 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 chassis that look like a real Formula One car was pretty cool. Or so that's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, and there's so many uh, so many other, you asked for three, right? So mm-hmm. I have to go over to the Vancouver was by far. like that that, that the coolest thing it was like at from the outset, what I love about it, and I built a lot of large websites up until the list point. but we, I was sitting on a bus going to short track speed skating, and you look over and the person to the left of you is using the app, and the person next to them is using the app, and the person over here is using the app, or it must be amazing. the hockey, and I look down in, in between periods and like you see a sea of people all using the the app that we built, you can actually talk to anyone and get feedback. Like that, it's mm-hmm. a great thing about uh, about the world that we're in is that you know, they are all willing to give you great feedback. Whereas in a website, you don't really you see stats and you know you can run this focus groups and but it's not the same. So that's that's one thing we enjoy about working with events.
1: Oh, that's yeah. No, I I I totally love that. And I got him. in. I was at CES, and um, you know, did see the app, and I was proud. I was kind of showing people, hey, this is a Vancouver company, guys. This is pretty cool. Yeah. And 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 what CES also taught me, because I agree, it's 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 almost too crazy to be honest. It's like, hey, here's another 100 companies from China I've never heard of before making amazingly beautiful TVs, but. You know, will I ever touch these TVs short of here? I'm not sure, but boy, they sure are pretty. Um, but the one thing that actually happened at the CS, maybe this was two or three years ago, is the power went out.
0: Yeah, And
1: I remember that. that created chaos. How do you guys make sure that the power doesn't go out of your app or, you know, the, the backend doesn't lock up so that, you know, how do you guys make sure that you have continu- continuity, continuation uh, throughout your offering?
0: Yeah, it's a really important use case. And I think it goes back to right back to the Olympics is our apps have to work offline because mm-hmm. if you're at a stadium with 100,000 people, you're probably not going to get really good Internet coverage. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're in the basement of the Las Vegas Convention Center, you know the Wi-Fi is not terribly great all throughout there. You can't guarantee you're going to have or if you're on the plane on the way to an event, you want to be able to use the app as well. Uh, so we ensure that our apps work really well offline. There's obviously some things like you can't send attendee messaging if you're offline, uh, but even our maps we make sure that they work offline because if you're if you're lost you, or if you're using the navigation or whatever, you need to be able to make sure that you can get to where you need to go regardless of whether your your Wi-Fi is strong enough signal. So, um, but yeah, that that specific incident was interesting because um, the yeah the, if you look at the photos from the floor, there was like one stand that had their own generators and it lit up the entire big part of the stage around the area around there. But it was all people with their phones, basically using their phones to like literally light up. It was pitch black in the convention mm-hmm. center. Crazy. So we, we, had a, we worked with a partnership with a group called LiveSafe um, that allowed you to report. Pre-COVID, it was all about reporting terrorist incidences. If somebody leaves a bag somewhere, or if you notice somebody with a handgun or whatever, like you can report it through the app. Mm-hmm. Um, so that partnership's worked out really well. CS was one, one of the first customers we did that with. and um, allows the, them, the, the security teams to directly respond to individuals or to everybody to let them know. So we were able mm-hmm. to use notifications to alert people, hey, uh, we, we hope to have this, I can't remember what the exact messaging was, but like to let people know that, you know, it's being worked on and hopefully we'll get it resolved soon and please, please move to an exit and that kind of stuff will happen through the app. Um that same company Lives Safe and, and a big part of what our customers are really interested in now is obviously keeping attendees safe mm. post-COVID. Uh, so we're we're really excited that we've got the first wave of physical events taking place starting in June. I'm so um,
1: excited too. You can't believe how excited I am as well. Yeah.
0: <laughs> hopefully we get to actually go to them if the travel restrictions ease up. But mm. you know, in the US, a lot of our customers are now planning physical events, some of them pretty large ones. Um so we're going to be part of that and safe events is a priority. You want to make sure that you have you know, the ability to so that LiveSafe is used, not just for reporting, but also they have like a, a COVID safe checklist and things like that, that helps make sure that people are abiding by the requirements of the event. Uh, so yeah, everybody's keen to get back to uh, to physical events uh, mm-hmm. after you're doing digital and they're mm-hmm. keen to have make sure that their events or attendees feel safe.
1: Well, that uh, yeah. Hallelujah. I can't, I can't, like I said, I can't wait. And uh, um, I'll probably be uh, my parent, my kids might go who's who's dad, because I plan on being at a lot of events that that's not true. But, but I will be at a lot of events. Um, But you know, what, what do you see is like any, can you give me any tips on where, you know, where, where, that, that merger, the convergence, I guess, of, you know, of COVID right now, um, but moving towards the public events. What, what's, what, what do you think is going to be changing at some of these, these events right now? I mean, you mentioned the COVID check-in. Is there anything else or is it going to be, uh, hey, you know, is, are the, the, the clients, especially in America right now, are saying it's done? Like we are just moving forward. There's no other additional asks um, on that side? Well, it'd be interesting to see. I think there's
0: a, still a lot of discussion going on about, you know, vaccine passports and whether that's going to be a thing. Uh, I think the, the pent up demand for returning to events is definitely something we're seeing. Like, I think Live Nation came out this week saying that they booked twice as many shows for 2022 as they did in 2019. Mm-hmm. Just the number of bands I want to tour and the number of people I want to go and see bands and festivals are selling out in record pace. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I think that we deal with two types of events, like the big corporate events, like some of them like are taking the lead, hosting hosting events um, that are physical and digital um, that could come with the like, hybrid events. So that are, some people will be in person, some people will be remote. Mm-hmm. But that is really an evolving space. Uh, the first of these events are really taking place now or in the next few months. Uh, so none of our customers have a consistent definition of what is a hybrid event. They're all planning something. Um, but what we... And then the second type of event is... a like an, a non-enterprise event, like a, like a CES, which is a, a, an association-held mm-hmm. event, they make a lot of money from hosting these events. And if they don't host these events, they don't make a lot of money. The digital mm-hmm. events for them were uh, overall, uh, I don't want to highlight CES, like a, anyone who's hosting an event in the digital world, um, there's definitely hits. There's a lot of misses where where digital events... It may have even attracted a, a big crowd, but people don't spend a lot of time there. They're literally, like some of our customers have said, the average time people are spending on a digital event, where you know, in physical event you're going for four days, you're spending one hour on a on a digital event. It's just not the same. It's closer to a webinar than it is your
1: actual physical event. So, oh, I think everyone's looking forward to going back in person. That's oh, it. complete. I mean, do you know what? One of my philosophies, and this is what I actually did at an event just before you know everything kind of happened. I was down in San Francisco, and um, It was a lovely day and there was two days, lovely sunny days. Um, and so there was two main areas. I can't remember what the event was, but it was, it was great. But there were two main areas where people were flowing in between. And there was a bench under a tree on that lovely sunny days. And I just sat there on that bench because it set two people and I just talked to people all day. Like that was the event for me. And so when you're yeah. saying, Hey, it's a webinar, I agree. I mean, I find sometimes even the events are webinars. I go to meet the people, you know, that's, and, and I don't feel the same connection. So i that's why I'm super excited.
0: About and, uh, about and, going. Uh, attending networking online is not the same. Like, you can always reach out to people on LinkedIn and try to set something up, but physically being there, like, I still go back to one of the stories. Like, I got lots of stories from Southwest, but one of my favorite mm-hmm. ones is uh, I was in line to buy an iPad 2. And they, they launched it at Southwest, a pop up mm-hmm. shop, and literally in the line for hours and hours and hours, and we we're talking to people. In front of us and behind us, and one of the best connections I ever made in the event world was in that lineup with us, mm-hmm. and <laughs> ended up being someone I'm still in contact with today, who's helped us uh, get get it in with a lot of big enterprise customers. Uh, and it was from an iPad 2 pop up shop lineup, that's or awesome. um, or we had a, yeah, I was in another session, and the, the networking you get when you're in a session that's about, in our case, it's event technology, like all the people there, they, they gravitate towards uh, those sessions. It's just such a great place to make new connections, and I think that's. Mm-hmm. You know, often even more valuable than the content.
1: Well, when, when, when you go to an event then, okay, yourself, I know you have a support team from EventBase go, go with, uh, depending on the scale or the size of the event, a certain number. But do you find yourself directing that team or attending the event to try to get a feel for what, you know, the next offering should be, you know, South by Southwest a hey, you know, we want to offer you this and this next year. Like, like you're, you know, you did all the beacon rollouts, for example, like something try to unique and everything, but you have to feel the event to get that idea. Do you, do you find yourself you're, 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 you know, coaching it or that you're taking it in and trying to experience it?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. I think over the years, uh, a bit of both, like obviously we've done a lot of events. Um, so going down there to really better understand the event and the use cases is primarily why I go to events and we love to send people on site. We've sent people like every year people have the opportunity to go to an event, go to events and they've, they, they, you learn a lot when you're on site. I always say it's like if we built apps for shopping centers, but we never actually went to a shopping center to see what Mm -hmm. it was like in action, you don't really get uh, a true sense of the work that you're doing. So, Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, I think we've come up with a lot of great ideas just from being on site and truly understanding how that customer hosts events and and what opportunities there are for us to do more work. You know, beacons is a good one where we trialed it out one year at Southwest West, um, with like twenty beacons. We've Got a great response, you know, front cover of USA Today, and it was fantastic. Second year we rolled out a thousand beacons and really deployed that. It was really interesting, but you know, the, and there's new technologies uh, like that we're we're looking at now around like that um, that allows sort of next level use cases. For both physical events and for those hybrid events as well, so the, I think there's there's a whole. It's a really interesting time in the event world. The events are being reinvented with this whole sh- sudden shift to digital. The expectations going forward that every event um, organizer has a digital team and a physical team, or that they're even there's there are actually overlapping. So the Venn diagrams of physical and and, di- and digital. Overlap and the question is how much do they overlap? Some customers are saying, well, they're basically two separate events, kind of like the Olympics is really two separate events. You can be a spectator there; it's a very different experience than if you're at home. Uh, but some are saying, well, we want it to be a very, a very collaborative experience. So we want everyone who's at home to have every, all the same experiences as the person on site. So we're we're working with our customers to to better understand that and bring that to life through the through the mobile app.
1: Oh, very cool! Very cool. Um, well, so. I mean, COVID obviously for all companies, when it, when it happened, the first thing you do is you go, okay, what's my runway? Like, you know, we did the same thing. Every company does this, but is the next, you know, chapter once things we'll call it stabilize and, you know, we're looking forward to the, to the future, which is really soon. Thank goodness. Do you just spend resources at that point at, you know, R and D or, or do you, what, what's, what, what, where, where do you, where do you prioritize? Yeah. R and D is a big one. Um, as, as we're scaling up, we added
0: four people this week. We've Fantastic. got more people that we're bringing on board. It's like, it. honestly, the last year has been rough. Our uh, revenue is yeah. down significantly with the cancellation of live events. We are seeing them come back. We're really excited to see some momentum here now. Um, and we do continue to invest significantly in, in R&D. We've, we're hiring developers, but we're also hiring on the sales side to take care of our customers as well. So it's a bit of a mix of both, but you know, we need to continue to innovate uh, we need to continue to, especially with the massive change in the events industry, we need to adapt to that. Uh, so we're in the process of rolling out a, a hybrid event app with, a, with new functionality that allows you to differentiate your experience if you're on-site versus remote. Uh, That's a big, big thing that we're working on. But uh, yeah, I'm just excited to be seeing the return of these physical events because like, I think when you're, when you're on-site, the app is a must-have. You, you've been to Southwest, it's like you can't do anything without it. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're at home on a desktop, it's a nice to have and there's definitely good use cases there, but it's uh, when these on-site events is definitely our strongest suit.
1: I, I, I totally dig it. I totally do. So, so currently, I mean, you probably see no one behind me at the office. There's I think two of yeah. us today. Um, I'm assuming you, you guys have moved all online. Um, have you found now that, you know, that the office isn't as, as, as important. Uh, the office life isn't as, as important right now that you're focusing more on, on talent, either across Canada or even, even further, or, or is it, is it, you know, still focusing on the local market? So we've changed to a remote first Mm -hmm. uh, approach to work. We just hired an Android developer
0: in Ontario. So we're sort of trying this out, but uh, you know, it used to be that we would hire people in Vancouver so we could all work out of the office together and it's completely changed. Um, We were, I really, like COVID sort of pushed everybody to that, you know, like forced everybody. We When we left the office, and it's funny, I, I showed my team the message that I sent out, I think it was March 12th, 2020. That was like, okay, uh, we're shutting down the office. Uh, hopefully we'll be back in a few weeks. And mm-hmm. obviously it's been over a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we, we still have an office like yours that's empty downtown, mm-hmm. um, We And I think... Our teams, and we, we, we have done surveys to the team to better understand what they want. And there's a good portion of them, of them that want to go back into an office. they they want to get out of their house. Most of them don't want to go back full time. It might be one or two days a week. Um, it might be a Flex type workspace. Um, but you know we also have uh, event basers that are looking at relocating to other parts of Canada uh, in order to, you know, enjoy cheaper real estate or different,
1: different, uh, quality of life. So I don't know, how's your team feeling about it Return to work? It, 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 what you just described is almost exactly the same thing. And I, th- I think that's probably across the board. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see when, when the, you know, the, 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 the rubber hits the, hits the, hits the road kind of a thing, but we're, we're, we're feeling the exact same thing. Um, so we're trying to we're trying to assess it as well um, not make too much of an investment until we really know. Um, but I think, I think it's going to be a very hybrid approach. Uh, just like you say, um, well, here, here's a question. Okay. You, I would always say that you guys have the world class of world class events. Okay. That's, that's the one thing that always impressed me. And when I would share in San Francisco that I know this company, you got to know, and you know, most people would be like, yeah, we've heard of event base which, which was obviously that was cool. Okay. What's one event, that you haven't done that you would love to do and that hopefully they're listening. So they're like, yeah, we want you to be part of this. What's one event that you guys like, we need this. We want this so bad.
0: Uh, we're really, we're really fortunate that we've got to work with pretty much all the bigger events. So the one that's, um, I'm a big soccer fan, football fan. So, you know, world cup would be nice. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I want to, but, but again, those, um, those type of events have a very different use case because they're really made for TV events. Yeah. events you obviously have, uh, people that spend a lot of money to go to those events and there is an experience to it. Um, similar to the Olympics in that way. But, uh, yeah, I, I love, like, I loved working with the Olympics. I love working with those types of events. We've done some Commonwealth games and Pan Am games and those kind of things as well, sporting events. Um, you know, Final Four basketball, NCAA, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Those are really fun. Um, I'd love to get back into that, but you know, we know where where our sweet spot is really these large experiential events. Uh, the, like the, the the more complex event, the better for us because we help you make sense of it. But you uh, solve the problems. For the the them. one that, uh, <laughs> the one that I'm excited about. Well, last year, uh, my daughter's 16 and she's a huge Marvel fan. Mm-hmm. and I, I, we were supposed to take her down to Comic-Con in San Diego, which is mm-hmm. one of the apps that we've done in the past. So anyway, that is one event that we've done for a while, but I've never actually had a chance to go to it. Um, but, you know, I want to make sure that our kids, you know, uh, our kids get to go to something like that to to see what, you know, dad does for a living and in real life. But hopefully this year, they're, they're, or I don't know about this year, they're, they're, they're having comic Con's been delayed until Thanksgiving. Uh, so November in the U.S.,
1: but uh, maybe maybe 2022 for that one. That's still a good time to nerd out, and Comic Con would be awesome. I I, I agree. I agree. Um, well, you know, you, you, we bumped. I bumped into you uh, last week, and uh, you're showing me our, You introduced me to your son and showcasing how um, you know he's got a he's got a side business, a side a side gig. Do you, you know, or side hustle? I guess the so way. And I was super impressed by that. Like so much so, I went and told my kids who are about the same age uh, as as your kids do they have the side hustle because that's what they want or because they want to be like dad and they know that that's a cool thing to do? Um, it's funny. They probably, it, it's more mom driving
0: uh, that's uh, involved in soccer and uh, that kind of world. So, but um, I think it's really like having, I, I always look for, for team members that have an entrepreneurial streak to them. So I think passing down that entrepreneurial streak to our kids is probably natural at some point. Uh, but I also think that you know it's really only since our kids have been through COVID, learning from home a lot more. They were online learning for a while. Uh, my son still does mostly online learning, and it's hard. Uh, teachers are not really set up for success there. So he's a, my, my son's a, a smart kid. He, I think we 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 encouraged him to start this business partly because I think he was kind of bored, and this he's probably learning more doing this business yeah. than he has been from school. So. I think it's great. He's earning some money, and he's learning a lot of lessons. And 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 he knows it's hard work, but he's uh, he's seeing some rewards there. And I I think that's hopefully uh, we all get to pass that down to our kids. That sort of entrepreneurial streak.
1: I I I agree. You know, I, I say this a lot, but we don't want our kids to work for the man. We want them to, you know, learn from the the spark that's within us to to create value for, you know, not just ourselves, but also our community and those who work with us. And, uh, um, you know, I think uh, if we can help our children launch into that, I think uh, we've done a great job. So, again, I, I salute you. And I, w- I was super impressed that that he was doing this at, uh, uh, you know, at a young teenage age. Um, so it's super cool. Excellent. Excellent. Okay, well, then let's, I mean, we're talking about that next generation of, uh, of entrepreneurs. And, uh, you know, the theme here, again, is to talk to, you know, gr- great um, Canadian entrepreneurs to try to, you know, battle test or prepare that next generation for many of the, any of the, uh, you know, the lessons they're going to need. What is a piece of advice that you could give to that, that next generation uh, startup entrepreneurial type?
0: And, and I'm really enjoying, I've, I've gotten to be an advisor for some um, younger tech companies, younger CEOs, and I really enjoy that because obviously, you, know, you and I learned a lot of things the hard way. So hopefully, mm-hmm. we can help help them avoid some of those mistakes. But mm-hmm. you, know, you have to be really passionate about it and what you're doing. It, it is a, it is a ton of work. It's you're going to be. You know, I'm 12 years into Eventbase and it's uh, it's a big commitment to take this on. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if my wife would let me start a new company at this point. Just <laughs> given the given the amount of time and effort that's gone into these things, but um, no, I think just make sure you're passionate about it. If you're not passionate about it, you're going to burn out, and it's not truly going to come through. You need to be really into it. Um, there's a the the book um, from Ben Horowitz called "The Hard Thing About Hard Things." Before you start up a company, read that mm-hmm. because if you read that and still want to start up a company, then all the power to you, and you probably have what it takes. But it's uh, it's. It's a rough ride because it's not always like smooth sailing. And you you know that um the, the the that book specifically calls out that every company has what they call 7 whiffio moments. The uh I'm not sure if I can say this on your show, where fucked it's over is the <laughs> term whiffio. So yeah, every company has seven of those, and I'm pretty sure we've had seven of them over time. COVID's probably just the latest one, but we have we've had you know it, it's uh you have to battle through it, but it, I also think the The biggest lesson of starting a company is probably true with most things in life. Is one of the biggest challenges is just showing up and and keeping keeping going. And and definitely, if you're passionate about something, it helps you find that energy to keep going. And um, most most people aren't prepared to keep going when things get tough. So uh, it's very different than just having a job. So, but
1: uh, that's just it. If it starts feeling like a job, that's the problem, right? Like um, there's so many ups and downs as you touched about, and it's finding that neutral point and just. You know, fighting your way through it, and uh, you know, good things will happen. As as good things have happened over the years for EventBase, and I continue to uh, be excited to watch the continued growth. Um, and uh, you know, the way you touch so many events, uh, you know, world class events, and uh, bring a little flavor of Vancouver to them, which uh, which I think is super cool, super cool. Excellent. Well, hey, Jeff, thank thanks so much for uh, for chatting with us today and uh, for sharing. Um, again, I was really excited to hear about it and, uh, I look forward to the next chapters of event base and, uh, the great stuff that you'll be doing.
0: Yeah. And I hope to see you in person again, hopefully at an event, some of these, uh, one of these days soon. So
1: oh, believe but, uh, I
0: appreciate the, uh, have me on the show and,
1: uh, yeah, best of luck to you. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. Ahoy afternoon to listeners. If you got this far, I assume you liked this episode and that is Awesome, thank you. In such a case, please rate and review Afternoon Tea Podcast and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your feeds from. Afternoon Tea is a podcast with a goal to share the stories of Canada's successful tech entrepreneurs in order to prepare the next wave of founders. We do have some great guests lined up for future episodes, but we would love to hear your thoughts too. Please do let us know who you think should be on the show. You can do so by emailing me at... At podcast at TTT.studio. That is P O D C A S T at TTT. That is three t's, dot studio You will notice there is no dot com because we are that sophisticated. Furthermore, you can find us social media at TTT underscore studios. I look forward to chatting with you soon.